chapter eleven of my bondage and my freedom by frederick douglass this librivox recording is in the public domain a change came o'er the spirit of my dream how the author learned to read my mistress her slaveholding duties their deplorable effects upon her originally noble nature the conflict in her mind her final opposition to my learning to read too late she had given me the inch i was resolved to take the l how i pursued my education my tutors how i compensated them what progress i made slavery what i heard said about it thirteen years old the columbian orator a rich scene a dialogue speeches of chatham sheridan pitt and fox knowledge ever increasing my eyes opened liberty how i pined for it my sadness the dissatisfaction of my poor mistress my hatred of slavery one upas tree overshadowed us both i lived in the family of master hugh at baltimore seven years during which time as the almanac makers say of the weather my condition was variable the most interesting feature of my history here was my learning to read and write under somewhat marked disadvantages in attaining this knowledge i was compelled to resort to indirections by no means congenial to my nature and which were really humiliating to me my mistress who as the reader has already seen had begun to teach me was suddenly checked in her benevolent design by the strong advice of her husband in faithful compliance with this advice the good lady had not only ceased to instruct me herself but had set her face as a flint against my learning to read by any means it is due however to my mistress to say that she did not adopt this course in all its stringency at the first she either thought it unnecessary or she lacked the depravity indispensable to shutting me up in mental darkness it was at least necessary for her to have some training and some hardening in the exercise of the slaveholder's prerogative to make her equal to forgetting my human nature and character and to treating me as a thing destitute of a moral or an intellectual nature mrs all my mistress was as i have said a most kind and tender-hearted woman and in the humanity of her heart and the simplicity of her mind she set out when i first went to live with her to treat me as she supposed one human being ought to treat another it is easy to see that in entering upon the duties of a slaveholder some little experience is needed nature has done almost nothing to prepare men and women to be either slaves or slaveholders nothing but rigid training long persisted in can perfect the character of the one or the other one cannot easily forget to love freedom and it is as hard to cease to respect that natural love in our fellow-creatures on entering upon the career of a slaveholding mistress mrs ald was singularly deficient nature which fits nobody for such an office had done less for her than any lady i had known it was no easy matter to induce her to think and to feel that the curly-headed boy who stood by her side and even leaned on her lap who was loved by little tommy and who loved little tommy in turn sustained to her only the relation of a chattel 
i was more than that and she felt me to be more than that i could talk and sing i could laugh and weep i could reason and remember i could love and hate i was human and she dear lady knew and felt me to be so how could she then treat me as a brute without a mighty struggle with all the noble powers of her own soul that struggle came and the will and power of the husband was victorious her noble soul was overthrown but he that overthrew it did not himself escape the consequences he not less than the other parties was injured in his domestic peace by the fall when i went into their family it was the abode of happiness and contentment the mistress of the house was a model of affection and tenderness her fervent piety and watchful uprightness made it impossible to see her without thinking and feeling that woman is a christian there was no sorrow nor suffering for which she had not a tear and there was no innocent joy for which she had not a smile she had bread for the hungry clothes for the naked and comfort for every mourner that came within her reach slavery soon proved its ability to divest her of these excellent qualities and her home of its early happiness conscience cannot stand much violence once thoroughly broken down who is he that can repair the damage it may be broken toward the slave on sunday and toward the master on monday it cannot endure such shocks it must stand entire or it does not stand at all if my condition wax bad that of the family wax not better the first step in the wrong direction was the violence done to nature and to conscience in arresting the benevolence that would have enlightened my young mind in ceasing to instruct me she must begin to justify herself to herself and once consenting to take sides in such a debate she was riveted to her position one needs very little knowledge of moral philosophy to see where my mistress now landed she finally became even more violent in her opposition to my learning to read than was her husband himself she was not satisfied with simply doing as well as her husband had commanded her but seemed resolved to better his instruction nothing appeared to make my poor mistress after her turning toward the downward path more angry than seeing me seated in some nook or corner quietly reading a book or a newspaper i have had her rush at me with the utmost fury and snatch from my hand such newspaper or book with something of the wrath and consternation which a traitor might be supposed to feel on being discovered in a plot by some dangerous spy mrs ald was an apt woman and the advice of her husband and her own experience soon demonstrated to her entire satisfaction that education and slavery are incompatible with each other when this conviction was thoroughly established i was most narrowly watched in all my movements if i remained in a separate room from the family for any considerable length of time i was sure to be suspected of having a book and was at once called upon to give an account of myself all this however was entirely too late the first and never to be retraced step had been taken in teaching me the alphabet in the days of her simplicity and kindness my mistress had given me the inch and now no ordinary precaution could prevent me from taking the l seized with a determination to learn to read at any cost 
i hit upon many expedients to accomplish the desired end the plea which i mainly adopted and the one by which i was most successful was that of using my young white playmates with whom i met in the street as teachers i used to carry almost constantly a copy of webster's spelling-book in my pocket and when sent of errands or when playtime was allowed me i would step with my young friends aside and take a lesson in spelling i generally paid my tuition fee to the boys with bread which i also carried in my pocket for a single biscuit any of my hungry little comrades would give me a lesson more valuable to me than bread not every one however demanded this consideration for there were those who took pleasure in teaching me whenever i had a chance to be taught by them i am strongly tempted to give the names of two or three of those little boys as a slight testimonial of the gratitude and affection i bear them but prudence forbids not that it would injure me but it might possibly embarrass them for it is almost an unpardonable offence to do anything directly or indirectly to promote a slave's freedom in a slave state it is enough to say of my warm-hearted little playfellows that they lived on philpot street very near durgan and bailey's shipyard although slavery was a delicate subject and very cautiously talked about among grown-up people in maryland i frequently talked about it and that very freely with the white boys i would sometimes say to them while seated on a curbstone or a cellar door i wish i could be free as you will be when you get to be men you will be free you know as soon as you are twenty-one and can go where you like but i am a slave for life have i not as good a right to be free as you have words like these i observed always troubled them and i had no small satisfaction in wringing from the boys occasionally that fresh and bitter condemnation of slavery that springs from nature unseared and unperverted of all consciences let me have those to deal with which have not been bewildered by the cares of life i do not remember ever to have met with a boy while i was in slavery who defended the slave system but i have often had boys to console me with the hope that something would yet occur by which i might be made free over and over again they have told me that they believed i had as good a right to be free as they had and that they did not believe god ever made any one to be a slave the reader will easily see that such little conversations with my playfellows had no tendency to weaken my love of liberty nor to render me contented with my condition as a slave when i was about thirteen years old and had succeeded in learning to read every increase of knowledge especially respecting the free states added something to the almost intolerable burden of the thought i am a slave for life to my bondage i saw no end it was a terrible reality and i shall never be able to tell how sadly that thought chafed my young spirit fortunately or unfortunately about this time in my life i had made enough money to buy what was then a very popular school-book these the columbian orator i bought this addition to my library of mr knight on tim street fells point baltimore and paid him fifty cents for it i was first led to buy this book by hearing some little boys say that they were going to learn some little pieces out of it for the exhibition this volume was indeed a rich treasure and every opportunity afforded me for a time was spent in diligently perusing it among much other interesting matter that which i had perused and reperused with 
unflagging satisfaction was a short dialogue between a master and his slave the slave is represented as having been recaptured in a second attempt to run away and the master opens the dialogue with an upbraiding speech charging the slave with ingratitude and demanding to know what he has to say in his own defence thus upbraided and thus called upon to reply the slave rejoins that he knows how little anything that he can say will avail seeing that he is completely in the hands of his owner and with noble resolution calmly says i submit to my fate touched by the slave's answer the master insists upon his further speaking and recapitulates the many acts of kindness which he has performed toward the slave and tells him he is permitted to speak for himself thus invited to the debate the quondam slave made a spirited defence of himself and thereafter the whole argument for and against slavery was brought out the master was vanquished at every turn in the argument and seeing himself to be thus vanquished he generously and meekly emancipates the slave with his best wishes for his prosperity it is scarcely necessary to say that a dialogue with such an origin and such an ending read when the fact of my being a slave was a constant burden of grief powerfully affected me and i could not help feeling that the day might come when the well-directed answers made by the slave to the master in this instance would find their counterpart in myself this however was not all the fanaticism which i found in this columbian orator i met there one of sheridan's mighty speeches on the subject of catholic emancipation lord chatham's speech on the american war and speeches by the great william pitt and by fox these were all choice documents to me and i read them over and over again with an interest that was ever increasing because it was ever gaining in intelligence for the more i read them the better i understood them the reading of these speeches added much to my limited stock of language and enabled me to give tongue to many interesting thoughts which had frequently flashed through my soul and died away for want of utterance the mighty power and heart-searching directness of truth penetrating even the heart of a slaveholder compelling him to yield up his earthly interests to the claims of eternal justice were finely illustrated in the dialogue just referred to and from the speeches of sheridan i got a bold and powerful denunciation of oppression and a most brilliant vindication of the rights of man it was indeed a noble acquisition if i ever wavered under the consideration that the almighty in some way ordained slavery and willed my enslavement for his own glory i wavered no longer i had now penetrated the secret of all slavery and oppression and had ascertained their true foundation to be in the pride the power and the avarice of man the dialogue and the speeches were all redolent of the principles of liberty and poured floods of light on the nature and character of slavery with a book of this kind in my hand my own human nature and the facts of my experience to help me i was equal to a contest with the religious advocates of slavery whether among the whites or among the colored people for blindness in this matter is not confined to the former i have met many religious colored people at the south who are under the delusion that god requires them to submit to slavery and to wear their chains with meekness and humility i could entertain no such nonsense as this and i almost lost my patience when i found any colored man weak enough to believe such stuff nevertheless the increase of knowledge was attended with bitter as well as sweet results 
the more i read the more i was led to abhor and detest slavery and my enslavers slaveholders thought i are only a band of successful robbers who left their homes and went into africa for the purpose of stealing and reducing my people to slavery i loathed them as the meanest and the most wicked of men as i read behold the very discontent so graphically predicted by master hugh had already come upon me i was no longer the light-hearted gleesome boy full of mirth and play as when i landed first at baltimore knowledge had come light had penetrated the moral dungeon where i dwelt and behold there lay the bloody whip for my back and here was the iron chain and my good kind master he was the author of my situation the revelation haunted me stung me and made me gloomy and miserable as i writhed under the sting and torment of this knowledge i almost envied my fellow-slaves their stupid contentment this knowledge opened my eyes to the horrible pit and revealed the teeth of the frightful dragon that was ready to pounce upon me but it opened no way for my escape i have often wished myself a beast or a bird anything rather than a slave i was wretched and gloomy beyond my ability to describe i was too thoughtful to be happy it was this everlasting thinking which distressed and tormented me and yet there was no getting rid of the subject of my thoughts all nature was redolent of it once awakened by the silver trump of knowledge my spirit was roused to eternal wakefulness liberty the inestimable birthright of every man had for me converted every object into an asserter of this great right it was heard in every sound and beheld in every object it was ever present to torment me with a sense of my wretched condition the more beautiful and charming were the smiles of nature the more horrible and desolate was my condition i saw nothing without seeing it and i heard nothing without hearing it i do not exaggerate when i say that it looked from every star smiled in every calm breathed in every wind and moved in every storm i have no doubt that my state of mind had something to do with the change in the treatment adopted by my once kind mistress toward me i can easily believe that my leaden downcast and discontented look was very offensive to her poor lady she did not know my trouble and i dared not tell her could i have freely made her acquainted with the real state of my mind and given her the reasons therefore it might have been well for both of us her abuse of me fell upon me like the blows of the false prophet upon his ass she did not know that an angel stood in the way and such is the relation of master and slave i could not tell her nature had made us friends slavery made us enemies my interests were in a direction opposite to hers and we both had our private thoughts and plans she aimed to keep me ignorant and i resolved to know although knowledge only increased my discontent my feelings were not the result of any marked cruelty in the treatment i received they sprung from the consideration of my being a slave at all it was slavery not its mere incidents that i hated i had been cheated i saw through the attempt to keep me in ignorance i saw that slaveholders would have gladly made me believe that they were merely acting under the authority of god in making a slave of me and in making slaves of others and i treated them as robbers and deceivers the feeding and clothing me well could not atone for taking my liberty from me the smiles of my mistress could not remove the deep sorrow that dwelt in my young bosom indeed these in time came only to deepen my sorrow she had changed and the reader will see that i had changed too 
we were both victims to the same overshadowing evil she as mistress i as slave i will not censure her harshly she cannot censure me for she knows i speak but the truth and have acted in my opposition to slavery just as she herself would have acted in a reverse of circumstances End of chapter eleven